As we said, as our desire is to hook up and share with uh, different styles of worship and our brothers and sisters across this city, our desire is to let you experience God using you. This morning we have a wonderful brother, Joel, who is involved with uh, actually leading a path ministries of helping the homeless. I was born in Hong Kong. He has a wonderful story. And rather than my taking his time, I just wanted to ask him to come up and uh, let's pray for him. Would you welcome Joel this morning as he's... have your Bibles, if you turn to the book of Acts and the chapter three. third chapter that's there, find the book of Matthew and go right a few books, Acts the third chapter, we're going to be taking a look at the surprise of people you would never expect, just a little touch, how God can change us by changing them. Let's pray for Joel. Father, I thank you for this brother, I thank you for his heart, for those, Lord, that are broken and poor in spirit, but rich in you, God. I pray now that, Lord, that you would come and speak through your servant. Open the eyes and the ears of our heart to see Jesus. We pray this for his sake. Amen. 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 Thank you. It's a real honor to be here this morning. Um, Special uh, thanks to Mary Erickson, who basically ministers to those of us in urban ministry. So you minister to the ministers, and I appreciate that. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, in this world of skepticism and doubt, we ask that you instill in us a sense of faith, Uh, Faith through your word of God and faith that we can use your word in the world around us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read Acts chapter 3. And just before this passage, the church just started. The first time. And this is the first event that happened after the church started. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, just like you see off the freeways, the men and women on the off-ramps asking for money. Peter looked straight at him. As did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the hand, literally touching the person, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And here's the key part of this verse here. And they, the people, were filled with wonder and amazement. At what had happened to him. It was a miracle. It was a supernatural event. And when it happened, all the people around them were filled with wonder and amazement. Now, if you were to walk down Third Street Promenade or walk through the Grove, and you were to ask people, what do you think about the church? 
you think they would be filled with wonder and amazement? That's what we are called to be as God's people, as the church, to go out into the community and the world so that when we do things, people are filled with wonder and amazement. Now, we think, when we read this passage, we think that we should be having faith healing services and sending out miracle workers because if we do a miracle, then people will believe. But we already know that even if we did a miracle, people are going to say, ah, that was magic or something else. But we don't have to just do supernatural miracles to minister in, in, our, in our world today. We can actually minister in our world through natural ministries, natural acts. Let me share with you some uh, things that we can do to be agents of God's miracles. And the first one is this. Offer a ministry of giving. In other words, give into the world that you live in. Plant seeds of faith and of hope. And then watch those seeds grow. Do you remember a movie? Um, I think it was this year, actually. Was it this year? I think it was this year. You don't watch movies? <laughs> um, called Pay It Forward. Remember that movie? It was starred Kevin Spacey, and he was a teacher of a middle school. And he goes to his class, and he tells his students, I'm giving you an extra credit assignment. And here's the assignment. Think of an idea for world change and put it into action. And I'm sure this teacher, Kevin Spacey, probably thought, okay, they're going to tutor kids, they tutor the second graders, or they're going to volunteer at a homeless shelter, or they're going to collect aluminum cans, or they're going to plant trees. Maybe they'll write a letter to the president asking him to support an important cause. Then in the movie, there's this boy, and it's... Uh, that's one of his students. It's Haley Joel Osment. You know, the sixth sense, I see dead people boy. <laughs> he comes up and he has this idea. And his, ans- his homework assignment, his, uh, yeah, his homework assignment was this. You see, I do something real good for three people. And then when they ask how can they pay it back, I say they have to pay it forward to three more people. Then those three people pay it forward to nine more people and help nine people. And then those people, 27 people. And you you get the idea. The math is simple, but the concept spreads like wildfire. This movie, Pay It Forward, which is based on a book, actually um, is part of a foundation called Pay It Forward Foundation. And it documents all the people that have taken this idea of paying it forward and encouraging people to do it throughout the country. So the question is, is this concept just a utopian, Hollywood-style idea created by idealistic left-wing movie producers to sell a movie? Or is it a concept that can literally change the world? Can we as God's people, can we as a church, have a ministry of giving that starts a cycle of giving around us? I think it's very important, you know, Our faith has to be more than simply words because people around us are always hearing about words. Our faith has to be real so that when people see God through us, they're not hearing our words only, but they're seeing our actions. When I was um, uh, 
in college. It was about the time when there were all these uh, Southeast Asian refugees from Vietnam and Cambodia and other countries in Southeast Asia coming to America. And I grew up in Long Beach, and there was a big population of Southeast Asian refugees uh, settling in, in Long Beach. And there were a lot of these kids that were in elementary school and, and junior high and high school that had just came to our country. And um, I, we had this idea, uh, about 12 of my Christian friends in college, we had this idea that we would create a tutoring program in Long Beach and help these kids uh, with their homework and introduce them to America and, and bring them to church and to Laker games and Disneyland. And we did that for about two years, or maybe three years, helping about 100 kids from uh, Southeast Asia. Well, fast forward this about 20 years now. And last year, I received a telephone call from a man who called up and said, do you remember me? And I'm like, uh-oh, what did I do? <laughs> And he kind of described, well, I was one of the kids in this tutoring program that you, you and your friends helped start. And you worked with me, and you took me to Laker games, and you introduced me to all these things, and I just, I want to meet you again. And he lived in Sacramento at the time. I mean, he lives in Sacramento. So I said, well, whenever I go to Sacramento, I'll call you up. Well, I was invited last April to speak at the Governor's Homeless Summit, and it was in Sacramento. So I thought, all right, I'll call this guy up. I don't really remember him that well, but I'll call him up and see what's going on. So he comes by and picks me up in a hotel, in the, at the hotel and uh, um, takes me to his house. And you have to, re- you know, have to remember that the, these refugees that came to America, it was literally like 20 family members living in a one-bedroom apartment in, on the east side of Long Beach. I mean, it was, you know, I grew up in an upper-middle-class you know, really nice home and family, and I just couldn't con- have, have the concept of understanding how 20 people could live in a one-bedroom apartment. Well, I go and visit his home, and it's this humongous, you know, like 30-bedroom house <laughs> in Sacramento, and there's all these Asian people in this house. And I'm thinking, you know, oh, my God, what did I get myself into here? <laughs> And it was his cousins and his aunt and uncle and his brothers and sisters and his nieces and nephews and his whole family that he he had helped bring over to America. And he said, Joel, I want you to come here and I want all these people to meet you because you changed my life. And I'm thinking, what? (laughs) He said, because you and all your friends, you helped me get through school and, and make friends and settle in here. Now... You know, my family has heard about you for the last 20 years, literally. And now I go to church. Now I put my, I've put, I own like five houses and I house all my family members and I put my uh, nieces and nephews and my brothers in school and and brothers and sisters through college. And um, I've literally started a nonprofit agency helping Southeast Asians in Sacramento. And uh, it's all because of what you guys did 20 years ago. And I'm thinking, you know, I just thought it was kind of a cool thing to do to, you know, help people. (laughs) But it was this whole concept of paying it forward that he grabbed onto that by just some 12 idealistic Christian college students who decided that they would tutor uh, immigrants 
that he would decide to, to pay it forward instead of paying it back. <clears throat> I tell my, our staff at PATH, uh, we help 1,200 homeless people a month, and um, I tell them all the time, you know, you may be talking to someone and touching someone and ministering to somebody today, and it may not happen for 20 years later that you've, you've, you know, you've literally had an impact in their lives. You, do, you, do you remember, and I, I might be dating myself, um, but do you remember the uh, show uh, All in the Family? It was like in the 70s, I think, yeah. You probably don't, <laughs> many of you, but um, there was a show. It's, it's Archie Bunker and All in the Family, and, and I don't remember a lot about it. I just remember it was a grumpy old dad who's always complaining about everything. He was racist and all this stuff. And he had this daughter named Gloria who uh, was always, it seemed to me at least, was always screaming and yelling and crying in the sitcom. Well, the daughter was played by Sally Struthers, who's an actress. And she went on after that to be a spokesperson for an organization called Christian Children's Fund. This is this organization that you see even now, like through World Vision and other groups, where where they you sponsor a third world child every month and she, every TV ad she would Sally Struthers would be out there with this little five-year-old or six-year-old pathetic little child who if you pay 20 or 30 dollars a month um, you could help them well I discovered about six or seven years ago that I was literally one of those Christian children's fun kids um, <clears throat> That when I was two years, when I was born, I was born in a third world Asian city. And when I was two years old, I was adopted into an American uh, Christian family from Long Beach, California. And they literally came out and took me out of this orphanage. Uh, my adoptive grandfather uh, ran Biola's uh, China ministry and then started some churches and schools in Hong Kong. And then when he retired, my adoptive parents uh, decided that they would further the ministry of my grandfather by adopting a little Chinese boy, and that was me. Um, So I grew up in Long Beach in a very middle-class, normal family. I was one of five kids, the only one who was adopted. And, um, you know, it was just normal to me. I, uh, I just, you know, at the time, I just thought, every white American family in America had a little Chinese boy running around in their house. I mean, I I didn't realize I was adopted until I was about like eight or ten years old, and one of my, you know, one of my friends came over to the house, and he thought, he said, uh, are you sure we're at the same right house? (laughs) I was a little slow. But, uh, as an adult now, I realize when I look back that literally a, a Christian family in Long Beach uh, touched one little baby's uh, life and literally changed my life. If, 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 I, if they had not done that, I don't think, I mean, I know my life would be completely different. I would be living in poverty in an Asian country. I would probably not know God and I would not have the hopes and dreams that I have today. But because of one family touching uh, a life, actually touching my life and giving to me, I have everything. I know God. I have education. 
I've been, I've, I've been cared for and loved. I could, I've always, my whole life, been able, I've, I was always told my whole life, Joel, you can do anything you want and we'll be there for you. I mean, I had all the tools of opportunity that, that was given to me. And, and it was only because one family, one normal middle-class family in America, in Long Beach, touched my life. See, this whole idea of ministry, of giving, of paying forward, is a very powerful, not, not in terms of, it's not a humanistic idea here. It's a very powerful uh, ministry to touch people's lives and let people know that I'm touching your life in the name of Jesus. When we offer people the ministry of giving and we touch people's lives, then just like my own life, people are going to be filled with, with awe. People are going to be amazed by what God has done in their life or in the life of somebody around them. The second thing... Um, the second ministry that we can do to literally have an impact in people's lives is a ministry of justice. And um, I know sometimes people think of justice and they don't always have positive words for it, but to me, justice uh, is real simple. And my daughter, who's 10 years old, always says it all the time. And that is, it's just not fair. Right? You know, why does my brother get this and I don't get that? And why does he get to go to bed later and I don't? It's just not fair, right? I mean, we've, we've, we've grown up in a society here in America where things have to be right. I mean, I hate it when you're going down the freeway on the right side and there's the right lane and people cut out of that lane and go up and cut in again and stop everybody. And I just keep saying, that's just not fair. Those people should not be doing that, you know? I mean, that's just instilled in us. And to me, that's what justice is about. You know, we live in a world and in a city where there are a lot of things happen, bad things happen in our community. And somebody needs to stand up and say, it's just not fair. After, a, um, after college, I was part of a ministry that worked in Latin America. And we would go down to Baja, California, and we would work with the poor. And there was a group of um, people called Oaxacans, and they're from a state of from the state of Oaxaca in Mexico, which is out down in the south, and they're Indians. And uh, um, they would migrate up to northern Baja California, and they would pick the fields for the uh, farmers. And when we were ministering to them, we found out, and I was about 20 or so years old, we found out that there would be these airplanes that would fly over the fields and they would spray pesticide on the plants, but also on the people. And, you know, when I was that age, and I would hope I would still have that same fervor and energy, it just really pissed me off. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is just not fair. These, they should not be doing that. And we did try a little bit to work with the government to stop it. I don't think we had much success in it. But it was just this whole idea of justice. And I remember telling myself, even back then, where's the church in this? Shouldn't they be saying something? When, uh, when um, the ministries out here, the urban ministries, longs, um, as well as the agency that I work with, when we work with the poor in the city and the homeless... And uh, the kids, I really see it as a justice issue. 
um, it's not simply a compassion issue. It's a justice issue. You know, I always grew up thinking that in a contest, there should exist a level playing field. Then the cream of the crop or the best teams would rise to the top and win. You know, it's, it's not right if you have a basketball game and one team has a 12-foot goal and the other has a 6-foot basket. It's just not right if you have a baseball game and one team has like 10 outfielders and the other only has three. The rules aren't fair, right? It's, it's not fair. Well, in the game of success in the city around us, even the rules of, of success aren't always the same. The poor and the homeless here in our own city don't have the same rules that I had, the same opportunities that I had, that probably you had. If you've been thrown out of your house because your spouse was abusing you, or if you've never had a family environment that encouraged education, or if you grew up in a neighborhood where guns and drugs were more prevalent than books and calculators, then you probably didn't have the same tools, the same opportunities to succeed that we who grew up in a positive, productive environment. And it's called opportunities. Many in our city lack them. We, as, as God's people, as the church, need to stand up and walk alongside these people and to stand up and say it's just not fair. When thousands of foster youth in our city today are being emancipated out of the system without any place to go, when there's thousands of families who can't even afford to rent a garage, let alone an apartment in our city because the rents are so high, when our health clinics, our county health clinics in our county are shutting down because the county has a $500 million deficit just in their health system, we have to stand up and say, it's just not fair. We have to walk our talk. We have to let people see our faith and not just hear it. And if we, go, if we stand up and do something, then I guarantee you the people in our city will look at God's people and God's church and be filled with awe and amazement. People will see that miracles do happen. That God is not just a concept. That God is not just a philosophy. But that God is real. And the only way they're going to see that God is real is through what? Not what we say, but what we do. Finally, the, the, the last thing that we can do in terms of ministry to the city is a ministry of witness. A ministry of voice. And what I mean by that is not taking a tract and going to a street corner and screaming and yelling Bible verses and reading things to people on the street. I'm not saying that's ineffective, but what I'm saying is is that what's more powerful than us screaming and yelling, throwing, you know, hitting people over the head with Bibles, what's more powerful than that is what we what we do and how we do it. Um, I've worked, uh, I worked in a church before I started working here at, at PATH, a nonprofit agency. And I never realized the power of voice until I started working in the community. 
And what I mean by the power of voice is this. There are two or 3,000 people in this church. Now, just think about it. Could you imagine if the whole church got up and walked or, or went to a park or stood in front of the city hall and said, this is not fair, and we as God's people are going to tell the society that it's not fair. Can you imagine the power? And I mean, people, first of all, you would have TV cameras, I guarantee that. But people would hear you, and they would say, and I know people would say, uh, this faith is real. These people are really doing something. We need to be a voice to the voiceless. You know, unfortunately, the voice to the voiceless are usually secular, non-Christian, non-profit, liberal agencies in this community. They're the ones, and I stand alongside them uh, when we go to the governor and to the mayor and say, you got to do this, and you got to do that. This is, this is just right. And, and all the time I always say, where is the church in this? The voice of the church, the voice of God's people. We need to offer a ministry of voice in our city. Because if we do that, again, people in our city are going to be filled with wonder and amazement. I mean, just write a letter to the editor. You know, you know, have a press conference or write a letter to the mayor. Just do, uh, show your voice and, and broadcast your voice into our community. Because we want the people in our city to be filled with wonder and amazement. Wonder and amazement. We're not talking about Terry, Tiger Woods playing golf here. We're not talking about Shaquille O'Neal playing basketball or making a free throw. We're talking about when the church first started... People were filled with wonder and amazement because miracles happened. Today, thousands of years later, we of God's people, we the church, need to continue that ministry of giving, of justice, and of witness so that people will be filled with wonder and amazement. So do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that your faith can really transform not just people but society and our community? Do you believe that we can offer miracles and acts of faith and ministries that transform people's lives? I do. When I know that God used a simple middle-class family in Long Beach to transform an orphan boy like me from the third world into a director of a large regional social service agency in Los Angeles, I know it can happen. I know... um, that agencies like the urban ministries outside here are literally transforming people's lives right and left and touching people's lives. God can use you to touch people's lives. And you may not even know it until 20 years later, but God can use use you to touch people's lives so that all the people of Los Angeles, of Southern California, will be filled with wonder and amazement. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you will fill us, not just with your faith, but your wonder and your amazement so that we can fill others, so that we can touch people's lives and minister to people, to give to people, to stand up and, and, and say, that's just not right, and to be a voice to those who have no voice. Lord, we ask that you will minister to us, that we may minister to the people around us. Thank you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.